Praise God. Thank God for this great nation. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this great nation of ours to you today. Father, we've been talking about brokenness, and Lord, we believe that you're the mender, you're the repairer, you're the one that restores the breach. And so, Father, we place our hands and our trust and our heart in you today. We thank you, Father, that the greater one abides on the inside of us. We thank you that there is no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. Father, we believe that the heart of the king is in your hands and that he surrounds himself. With godly counsel, Father, we believe that every lie would fall powerless at the feet of our officials. I thank you, Heavenly Father, from the president to the mayor to uh, the dog catcher and everybody in between, Father, that your grace and your mercy would be evident in their lives and that, Father, they would lead according to moral, religious, powerful things that are found in your word. But, Father, most of all, we give you honor and thanks today for this great nation. We thank you, Father, that it's been a beacon of light. We thank you, Father, that it has been the place that missions has gone out to every corner of the world. That, Father, the gospel has been shed abroad. And so, Father, we are grateful and we are thankful. And we know that the enemy hates it. We know that the enemies are against the preaching of the gospel of peace. And so, Father, we ask that your grace would shine great today. We ask that your power would be evident in such a powerful, powerful way in our nation and in our lives. Father, thank you. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, for spacious skies, for amber waves of grace, for purple mountains, majesties above the Plains, America, America, God shed His grace on me and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to dreams that sees beyond the years thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears America Savior Jesus Christ to be great salt, to be great light in this day and in this time. And Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why are you all standing? You may be seated this morning. God bless you.
Praise God. I love this nation. I love its founding. In spite of its problems and weaknesses, this is the only nation. I don't know if it's the only nation, but it is one of the, na- the few nations that everybody's trying to get into. Amen. And it ain't that bad. Praise God. Amen. I want to talk. We've been talking, doing a series, and I'm going to try to keep this a little bit brief. No, I'm not. I'm just going to do whatever's in my heart to do and uh, not necessarily worry about the time. Uh, if you have anything on your grill or smoker, I don't today, so that's a rarity on a holiday. But anyway, um, I, I've been doing a series that we call Broken, and um, <clears throat> boy, it's been kind of arranging uh, a set of topics and uh, of things that are going on, just some things in my heart. And um, I believe that while things might seem to be broken, they are not beyond repair. And um, I believe that there are good things in store. I love what we sang this morning, God is good. He's good. He's good. God is 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 good. Things around us may not be good, but God is. (laughs) And when we follow his ways, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so that's what we believe. And and, and really my my comments about broken is, is a result of a lot of things. But, you know, just looking at our nation, looking at our country, looking at things that are going on, not just from a political standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, from families that are under attack uh, in a general sense, not specific local families necessarily. But if we look at all of the things that appear to be broken, and my concern is that we as a nation, first of all, all have lost trust in those institutions that we should not lose trust in. And that there are systems that are in place, whether it is your physical system, your physical body has systems, you have a, you have a cardiovascular system, you have a, a nervous system, you have a digestive system, and those systems operate in the background. We're not really aware of them, but they're extremely important and they are very powerful. We have to have those systems in place. And, and, and again, we don't necessarily know that they're out there until one of them begins to act up. If your cardiovascular system begins to act up, if, if your, uh, whether it is your heart not being able to produce the, 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 the amount of pressure when, you, when it pumps and moves blood throughout your body, then you're going to have a problem. You will all, all of a sudden understand. If, you, if you've eaten something wrong and uh, something that maybe wasn't blessed <laughs> or maybe sat out too long at the, at the barbecue and uh, you, about an hour, or if you go to Val's and about an hour later, uh, um, you know, your digestive system begins to react. And uh, I like Val's. Don't write me a letter. All right. So anyway, actually, I might get a letter because I like Val's. Anyway, regardless, my point simply is this, that when systems begin to break down, even though, we, even though they're operating in the background, even though they seem to be something that is apart from us that, that we're not concerned about, suddenly they become very important. Your house has systems in it. It has an electrical system, a plumbing system, a, a heating system. If one of those breaks down, then you know that there's a lot of discomfort in your home. Well, nationally, when systems begin to break down, the same thing can happen. When we begin to lose trust in institutions, whether it is government, whether it is education, whether it is the the judicial system, whatever it might be, when we begin to lose trust in those things, a society begins to break down. And so we have to be aware of those things. And I asked this question last week, actually, uh, uh, from, uh, from Psalms chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to try to stick kind of close to my notes. Last week I sat down, which is very rare for me. Uh, uh, somebody was watching online, actually, Pastor Tommy's son said, is Pastor Brian hurt or something because he's sitting down? Because <laughs> I never sit down. Psalm 11:3. I read this from the New King James. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
It's a question. If, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What is our response to broken systems? The, the Living Bible says, law and order have collapsed, we are told. What can the righteous do but flee? Now, I don't know if anybody has, has had this feeling over the last several years, but sometimes our response to broken systems is we just want to get away. We want to run. We, you know, as Christians, come quickly, Lord Jesus, by the sky hook of the rapture. Get us out of this mess. Amen. Lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. He said, what can we do but flee? What is our response? Well, the psalmist didn't stop there. He goes on to verse 4. But, everybody say but. But the Lord is still in his holy temple. He still rules from heaven. He closely watches everything that happens here on earth. This is a reminder to you and to me, to the righteous, that God is still in control, that God is the ultimate authority, that he is on his throne. Verse 5, he puts the righteous and the wicked to the test. He hates those loving violence. He will rain down fire and brimstone on the wicked and scorch them with his burning wind. Fancy way to say it doesn't really turn out real well for the wicked. Verse 7, God is good. That's almost kind of a, it's like, well, it doesn't seem like God's good. No, it's the righteous. You have a chance, it's the unrighteous. Have a chance to turn, but you don't, and that's the end result. But it says God is good. He loves goodness. The godly will see his face. This is a reminder that in spite of, in the face of brokenness, broken systems, a lack of trust, and things seemingly falling around, or falling apart around us, we do have a God who is on the throne, who is watching over us, making sure that his word will come to pass in our lives. And as we found our lives on the exceeding great and precious promises, it is by those great and precious promises that we will be a partaker of his divine nature here on planet earth. It's a good chance to say amen right there. So today, or this weekend, we're celebrating Independence Day, 4th of July, all of those kinds of things. And um, a Latin word that many of you probably are familiar with, e pluribus unum. We've all heard that word. E pluribus unum, it means out of many, one. Out of many states, out of many people, one nation, one people, one power, one force. The motto was proposed uh, uh, for the great seal of the United States by John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson in 1776. It offered a strong statement of the American determination to form a single nation from a collection of states. So e pluribus unum, that is our nation's motto, that out of many people, out of many lands, out of many cultures, nationalities, one nation will be formed. This week I read a, a, a survey, uh, University of Chicago Institute of Politics, they did a poll. A majority of Americans, a majority of Americans agree that the government is corrupt and rigged against everyday people like me. This is kind of funny to me. 73% of self-described Republicans agreed that Democrats are generally bullies who want to impose their political beliefs on those who disagree. Really quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> 74% of Democrats agreed that Republicans are generally bullies who want to impose their political beliefs on those who disagree. 50%, I'm in this group, 50% have avoided political talk with other people because they don't know where they stand. Have we found ourselves in that situation? 25% of people described losing friends or have avoided relatives because of politics. E pluribus unum. 
We're divided. No one's happy. Everybody's complaining. It isn't brand new. It didn't happen yesterday. It's been going on for quite a while. We are unhappy, and we, the, the, the majority, the overwhelming majority of Americans feel that the country is headed in the wrong direction, so what do the righteous do? What do the righteous do? Proverbs 29.2 says, when, the godly, when godly are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. Leadership matters. Say that one more time. Leadership matters. Government matters. It is not something you can take a time out on. It isn't something that you can sit back and hope for the best. We've been talking about brokenness in the last couple of weeks. We sort of looked back at the original founding of this, of what God did, what was in God's heart when we were talking about family, when we were talking about the roles of moms and dads and parents and started on Father's Day, all of those different things. And so I thought that because it is the Independence Day celebration, 4th of July, I want to go back for just a moment and look at a couple of things. But I hope you understand that when, that God ordained three great institutions, first of all, and this was God's idea. He ordained the family he ordained the family, moms and dads and kids. He ordained the church, powered by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he also ordained the systems of government or state. Those three things are God's origination. Those three things are God's idea. And all three of those systems need to be healthy. We need healthy families. We need healthy churches. And healthy churches are made up of healthy Christians, you and me. If we're not healthy, we are a system that is breaking down. And this nation also needs a healthy state, a healthy government, healthy, a healthy ruling class. And my opinion is right now the political class is not healthy. It isn't healthy. They Many, I don't know all of them, obviously. I don't know their spiritual condition, but just a judgment in looking at things that are being said and done, I would say most of them, many of them, sorry, many of them, don't want to overgeneralize, have a very low moral and spiritual IQ. They don't know. They don't know. They can, but they don't know. So looking back, Independence Day, I found this rather comical. On July 2nd, 17, not the founding of the nation, by the way, but something that happened. On July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence, and two days later, delegates from 13 colonies adopted a document that was drafted and written largely by Thomas Jefferson that we know of as the Declaration of Independence. From 1776 until the present day, July 4th has been celebrated as the birth of American independence. Now, on that day, July 2nd, John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, saying that forever, July 2nd will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. And the great celebration should include pomp and parade and games and sports and guns and bells and bonfires and, and, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. Well, he got outvoted. It later said it was reported that he would turn down invitations to appear at 4th of July events. <laughs> so strife and division and, and, and controversy have been around this nation from its beginning. It's been around forever. But it is also undeniable. As much as we, as, as a society, we are trying to er erase much of these things from our culture and from our memory. 
It is undeniable that this nation was founded upon biblical and Christian principles. John Adams said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. James Madison said, he wrote that our constitution requires sufficient virtue among men for self-government. Otherwise, nothing less than the chains of despotism can restrain them from destroying and devouring one another. George Washington, he said this, we also know, indeed, we hold self-evident that government officials, lawyers, and judges are not the creators of our rights. Our creator endowed those rights to we the people. Our constitution recognizes this, restraining the power of the federal government and preserving the liberty of the people. This is really powerful. James Madison said, but what is government itself? But the greatest of all reflections of human nature. Benjamin Franklin said that only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Liberty unrestrained and unchecked without self-governance leads to chaos. It leads to anarchy. And eventually, dictators have to come in and force a top-down style of government that restrains the people. That was not the intention of the founders because they had lived under that. And they understood human nature really, really well. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and wicked and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? There are a lot of people, and it, 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 we hear it a lot, that, that people just generally think that people are good and left to themselves. They will ultimately reach a good conclusion. They will reach a good end. That they are inwardly, uh, basically moral people that want the best. It's not what the Bible says. It's not what the founders understood. That given enough time and power and other things, that the human heart will always tend towards selfishness. The human heart will always tend towards wickedness. The human heart will always tend towards things that are ungodly. We call it the flesh. And so we need to understand that because without a heart that is regenerated by the spirit of God, that is, that is renewed, a mind that is renewed by the word of God, without those things, we cannot reliably govern ourselves. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is about. There's something on the inside of you, but you need to train your flesh to be joyful. You need to train your flesh to walk in love. You need to train your flesh to resist fear and to walk in peace. And that's done by the Spirit of God through the Word of God on the inside of you. That's what, one of the reasons that you have faith. John Quincy Adams said this about government. He said, to expect self-denial from men when they have a majority in their favor and consequently power to gratify themselves is to disbelieve all history and universal experience. It is to disbelieve revelation and the word of God, which, un, which informs us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. There is no man so blind as not to see that to talk of founding a government upon a supposition that nations and great bodies of men left to themselves will practice a course of self-denial self is either to babble like a newborn infant or to deceive like an unprincipled imposter. There was a healthy fear that our founders had of what could corrupt the human heart. And they understood that when the godly are in charge, that the people will rejoice. But when ungodly are in charge, people are going to groan. Because again, they had lived through some of that. Many of them had lived through that system of government, a top-down style of government. He also said, I believe myself sincere. 
but the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I do not believe the total depravity of man, but I am deeply conscious of the frailty of my own nature. (laughs) I like self-awareness. Again, because they understood the human nature of man, because they understood that, that humans tend to gravitate towards all the things that are wrong, left to their own devices, they're going to, they're gonna, they're, they're, they will end up in the wrong place. They began to separate the powers of government. Do you know where the separation of powers came from? It came from the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 33, it says, for the Lord is our judge. That's the Supreme Court. The Lord is our lawgiver, that's Congress. And the Lord is our king, that's the executive branch. And then he says, it is he who saves us. I'm telling you that the foundation of this nation began with godly principles. It began with the ideas that are are found in the word of God. And they understood the need to separate the powers. Uh, Baron Charles Montague wrote a book called The Spirit of the Laws. Apparently a lot of the founders and framers, they had studied this book. But in 1748, he wrote this. Nor is there liberty if the power of judging is not separated from the legislative power and from the executive power. If it, or the power of judging, were joined to the legislative power, the power over life and liberty of the citizens would be arbitrary. For the judge would be the legislature. If it were joined to the executive power, the judge could have the force of an oppressor. All would be lost if the same body of principal men exercised these three powers. And so they began to separate the powers. There, should, there was originally designed a, a system of checks and balances on the three branches of our government so that not one would exercise authority and, and, and thereby limit the freedom of the people which they were set over. Because the human heart tends towards evil, it is not self-controlled. Anarchy can be the result which requires a, would require in that case a top-down system of government. Thankfully, the founders understood the, the need for churches, healthy churches. Do you know why you get a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year for your giving? It is because our government recognized the importance of power, or the importance of churches. The reason that we as a 501c3 do not pay taxes is because they understood that healthy communities and healthy families need healthy churches, but that's found in Scripture. In the book of Ezra, chapter 7, it says, You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tribute, or duty on any of the priests, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, or, or other workers at the house of God. Wholly founded on the word of God. If the foundations are destroyed, what do the righteous do? We are lacking a lot of times in our understanding of the founding of this nation, and we've left it to other people to tell us perhaps what they think it might mean. And again, it is undeniable that our found, that the foundation of this country is wholly based on a biblical God-first foundation. The founders had a healthy distrust of their own ability to lead, and so they set out to form a government that was by, of, and for the people, a bottom-from-the-top style of government, that people would have the say that people would impose limits upon the power of government to rule and to regulate. Um, There's been a lot of controversy in the last couple of weeks about the Supreme Court. 
A lot of politicians talking about its overreach. A lot of politicians, in my opinion, are, again, damaging institutions that are important to this nation. But I think one of the things that the Supreme Court did in, in some of their determinations, and it's been a really, really busy Supreme Court, uh, been a lot of talk about it, but one of the things that they did is actually say, we do not have the power to impose some of these things. We don't have the power, and so they returned that power to the states, to the people. There was a, a case, I was reading about it, the West, West Virginia versus the EPA. They have moved to limit the power of, the Supreme Court has moved to limit the power of, of agencies that are run by unelected uh, uh, bureaucrats. Did you know that there are, this is my little rant here for, the, for this morning. Today there are some 432 uh, glorified three-letter agencies that employ nearly 3 million people who are unelected. They cannot be fired and they cannot be controlled. And these people make a lot of rules that govern business, they govern commerce, they govern you, and they govern me. I want to read this to you. The authors of the Declaration of Independence accused the English king of having erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out of their substance. <laughs> there, was a, there was a war that was fought because of the idea of taxation without representation. Now, we can complain about a lot of things, but does it do a lot of good? You see, if, 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 the foundations are shaken, what do the righteous do? If the foundations are broken, what do the righteous do? What do we do? What do we do? Hide? Oh, Jesus, please come back. What do we do? Well, let me give you a couple of things. First thing you need to understand, this is all spiritual. Let me say that again. This is all spiritual. Whether you recognize it, whether you realize it or not, there is a battle that has been going on for centuries between what I will call good and evil, between the spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Satan, however you want to say it, there, there is a spiritual battle that is going on. I mentioned this a year and a half ago or so, kind of during the whole COVID rage and everything that was going on. The devil doesn't care what he will use. He doesn't care what you believe. He will use anything that you believe to try to divide people. Anything. Anything. He doesn't care. His agenda is to, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. That is, that is his agenda. He will use good. He will use bad. He will use, you know, he will use experts. It doesn't matter what expert they are. He will use all kinds of different things to try to divide people, to get them to fight with one another so that ultimately we forget that our mission is a message of Jesus Christ to this world that is lost and on its own. Paul wrote this to, to, the, to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 6.10. A final word. So what do the righteous do? Number one, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Kind of a nod back to Psalms chapter 11 where God is on the throne. Your God, my God, he's the one that is on the throne and he is the biggest, baddest ruler of the universe. And he's on our side, he's for us, he's not against us. Verse 11, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. This is not a new battle. This isn't something that just began 
with, with Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anyone else. It's been going on for a long, 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 long time. Verse 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And this is where we are today. We're fighting about culture. We're fighting about gender. We're fighting about uh, economic things. We're fighting about all these other things, division, chaos, all these other things. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world. Here, Paul is, is letting us know that Satan has a governmental system as well. And that governmental system influences governments on this planet. That governmental system principalities and powers and mights and dominions, they, they influence culture, they influence economics, they influence the political class, they influence a lot. And we need to recognize this. Verse 14, stand your ground, stand your ground, stand your ground, church. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Speak what you believe. Don't be afraid. Be unafraid. Stand your ground. <laughs> lost, my, lost my place. Where are we at here? Verse 12, I'll just start right there. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, Paul told Timothy, I think it was Timothy, he said, as much as is possible in you, live peaceably with all people. Maybe it was the church of Colossae, can't remember. As much as, as much as depends upon you and me, live peaceably with people. Live peaceably with people. <laughs> Verse 13, therefore, because this is a spiritual battle, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Resist the urge to fight with one another, to, to name call one another. Resist that urge to be to, to lower yourself to the standard of other people because you're called to a higher standard. You're, you're, you're a peculiar people. The earmark of the early church, Jesus himself said that people will know that you're my disciples not because you can prove a point better than somebody else, but because you love one another. So then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Verse 14, there it is. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What are the righteous to do? The righteous are to be prepared for battle. The righteous are, are to be prepared to pray. The righteous are to, are, are, are to be the ones who are putting the word of God into their heart and into their life and letting the power of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God transform them. Rather than sitting around complaining or scratching your head saying, what do we do? Or like many people, well, I just have kind of given up, just sort of, I just hope it kind of works out. I'm just going to hide. None of those are good solutions to a broken problem. Martin Luther King said this, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state. But rather, I love this, but rather the conscience of the state. You and I are to be the conscious of the conscience of the state, of our elected of it. We are to remind them and to call them to righteousness and to morality. That is our job, I believe. We are to be the conscious of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state. 
We should speak, you know, there's a whole, truth to power, yeah, it's the man we're coming against. No, we are speaking truth, God's truth to power. Uh, It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. You and I are the conscience of the state. I, you know, <laughs> I'd love to just do a whole thing here. You know, the Bible says if we believe the prophets that we'll prosper, that we will live. The prophets were always, the prophets came to the king. And this is in, in Israel's history. The prophets would come to the king and they would, they would speak to the king. And, and there were good kings that would listen to the prophets. And the, pro, uh, the king and the nation would prosper. But there were prophets who came and spoke to the king and the kings wouldn't listen. And the kings did things in their own, they did what was right in their own eyes. There was a point where Israel was an apostate state. They, they didn't listen to the kings. And, and that's when the system of kings became, became instituted. They, 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 they wanted kings for themselves. But part of that was a ruling from the top down. God's design, when he spoke to Moses through Jethro, his, his father-in-law, God's design was that it would come from judges, that it would come from the bottom to the top, that people would delegate and lead people. Delegate to leaders would delegate power or responsibility and authority. That was the, that was the, the system of government. You can look at Pharaoh when, when Moses and, and uh, Joshua came to, to Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. But there, and as a result, the nation of Egypt was destroyed. I think God was giving him an opportunity to repent. He didn't. And conversely, there were other prophets who came to kings. Kings listened and kings, kings did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And the nation was blessed and prospered. I said all that to say this to you. Leadership is important. Godly leadership is important. And, and, and I think, just want, you know, be careful about this and don't want to offend anybody necessarily. It's a principle, though. I don't know about Donald Trump's spiritual condition. Don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I've, had, I've heard pastors call him a reprobate and all kinds of different things. And yeah, he definitely had some issues. <laughs> Amen. I mean, it was out loud issues, too. But there's one thing about Donald Trump that, that maybe you didn't know, but there has not been a president in modern history that has, had, that has given more free access to pastors, to church leaders. I'm talking about born-again, spirit-filled people to pray over him, to, to, to minister to him. He gave access to a lot of that. He took a little bit of criticism from it. But I, I don't know. I kind of think that, the, that, that perhaps that was one of the things that led to, you know, the right to life now and, and, and the, the different controversy now. But he gave us some, some Supreme Court judges that reverse Roe versus Wade. It's a great victory for life. Amen? So what do the righteous do? What are the righteous? Amen. That's all right. That's good. Amen. Praise God. So what do the righteous do? A couple of things. Ephesians 6.18. It says this. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It's a well-worn statement. We have to pray. And I like what Paul said. When it comes to dealing with spiritual things, you need to pray a spiritual way, and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's more. There's more. 
coming full circle. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when the ungodly rule, the people moan and groan and complain, and it's not good. Leadership isn't necessarily, and in a government, leadership isn't necessarily done by or, or based on the righteous and the unrighteous in a sense. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24, it says, diligent hands will rule. Who is it that rules? Who rules? The, the diligent. Do you notice it's not the righteous that rule? It's not the unrighteous that rule? It is the diligent that rule. The diligent rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Did you know that there's over 100 million evangelicals in the United States of America? The last election was run by, won by roughly 80 million votes. 60% of that 100 million evangelicals are not registered to vote. Whether or not they voted, don't know, but they're not registered to vote. The most basic of civil respons civic responsibilities, to vote. People sat it out. People sat it out. So I think this. We need to pray, yes. We need to get to work praying. But, the, but it's the diligent. It is the diligent that rule. Church, we're being outworked. We're being outworked. Let's say it again. We're being outworked. And it's the reason that we're seeing, I believe, seeing some of the things that we are seeing today. So I would tell you to get involved. Sandra Braxted, I don't know if she, there, she's right there. She's running for city council. Amen. Brent, Brent, are you here, Brent? Isn't Brent running for school board or something? Is he? Brent General? City Council, St. Augusta, thank you. Amen. I think that this church should be full of people that are on the school board, the city council, whatever else, whatever else, whatever else. It's too easy to say, yeah, we're going to pray. Let Pastor Brian pray a nice prayer, and then we're done. I think we've done our civic responsibility. We haven't. So, Francisco's playing. Some of you have dinner plans, lunch plans, celebration plans, yeehaw. But would you stand with me this morning? I want to remind you as we close the service that the prayer team will be down front here this morning. And uh, if you need prayer for anything at all, uh, please come. They'll, they'll love to pray with you, pray for you, all of those kinds of things. But let's, let's once again pray for the church to be the church, for us to be salt and to be light. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, once again, we come before you. And Lord, we understand that in this church, we are a melting pot. We've got a lot of diversity of, of thought, of culture, of, of upbringing, and all kinds of different things. And Father, I thank you that you are molding us into one people and one body. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that by the Spirit of God, we're, <laughs> that we are endeavoring to control ourselves in accordance with your Spirit and in your Word. Father, I pray that there would be a grace and an anointing upon this congregation this morning that wherever we go, whether it is into the halls of government, our schools, our homes, our workplaces, wherever it is that we go, that we would be salt and that we would be light, that we would remind people that there is a righteous standard that will bring blessing to them and bring blessing to this nation. And so, Father, I thank you for great grace to rest upon us. I thank you for boldness to rest on this congregation. I thank you, Father, that we operate with a spirit of peace and a spirit of love. When we remind those principalities, powers, and mights, and dominions, those names, I thank you, Heavenly Father, they're defeated 
their power is broken. And Father, we pray that there'd be a restoration, Father God, in families. I pray, Heavenly Father, that there would be peace, that there would be strength, and that, Father, defined roles as you have defined them with moms and dads and kids would be reestablished in homes. I pray, Heavenly Father, that the church, the capital C church, as well as this church, that we would be strong in grace, that we would be strong in your word, that we would be strong in spirit. And Father, we pray for this nation, that, Father, your grace would be shed upon us from sea to shining sea, that, Father God, there would be peace and that there would be joy, that, Father God, there would be righteous that would rule and reign. And so, Father, I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that better days are ahead for the church, better days are ahead for this nation, because God is on the throne. And so, Father, we believe in the name of Jesus, and therefore we speak. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, Joy. Have an awesome Independence Day. Prayer, prayer team is available. God bless you.